Hello, this is Harry Thomason, and welcome to The Story You Never Heard, executive produced by Benji Gaither and Douglas Jackson. On this podcast, we'll tell you stories about the world, your country, your people, and things that happened long ago and not so long ago. Stories you probably never heard until now. Here's tonight's tale. The Turtle. His name was David Bushnell, and he had an idea. The Yale graduate had been thinking about it a long time. He also had someone who believed in his idea. His name was Isaac Doolittle, a wealthy, respected engineer who was well known for the design of complicated printing presses and other intricate pieces of metal equipment. He also owned a brass foundry where he cast various pieces to help supply war needs. The two were building a special kind of boat and intensely believed it would help the American war effort. In making the hull, Bushnell also enlisted the services of several skilled artisans, including his brother, a farmer, Ezra Bushnell, and a master carpenter, Phineas Pratt. The group of guys, in secret, were building a boat. But this one was different, and a little odd-looking. According to one friend, the hull was in the shape of two upper shells of a tortoise joined together. It looked strange. But it looked strange because it would operate underwater, and in later years would have been referred to as a submarine. They all had a sense of humor and decided to name the crowd the turtle. Actually, it resembled a large clam. It was about 10 feet long, 6 feet tall, and about 3 feet wide, and consisted of two shelves covered with reinforcing steel bands. The stealth vessel died by allowing water into a tank at the bottom of the vessel and ascended by pushing water out through a hand pump. It was propelled vertically and horizontally by very quiet hand crank propellers. It also had 200 pounds of lead aboard, which could be quietly released in a moment to increase buoyancy. Manned and operated by one person, the vessel contained enough air for about 30 minutes and had a speed in calm water of about 3 miles per hour. Now, six small pieces of thick glass in the top of the submarine provided natural light. The internal instruments had small pieces of foxfire. Now, that's certain kinds of decaying wood that glow in the dark affixed to the needle to indicate their position in the dark. They wanted nothing that was not made by nature on the vessel because they were afraid our enemy might detect it. One of their biggest concerns, of course, was the funding. So far, they had done it themselves to keep the secrecy of the project. Even though a couple of members of their little band were wealthy, they needed some help. To try to keep the existence of this potential deadly machine secret from the enemy, even the records concerning the turtle were almost non-existent. Most of the records that do exist concern Bushnell's request for funds. Bushnell seeking financial support even from the states, he met with the governor of Connecticut, and he also sent a request to the general heading the American military forces. Now, the general was skeptical of devoting funds for the military whose funding was already being severely stretched. Ultimately, he was able, under pressure, to provide some funds for the development of the secret weapon, and it moved forward. The military also made three soldiers available to learn to be pilots of the crowd, and then it was moved to a secret body of water to train. Piloting the turtle required great physical stamina and coordination. The operator would have to adjust the bills in order to keep from sinking, 
while providing his own propulsion by use of a crank, which worked a propeller located on the front of the submarine, and direction by use of a lever that would operate and direct a rudder in the back. The cabin also reportedly held air for only 30 minutes of use. Thereafter, the operator would have to surface and replenish the air through a ventilator. Obviously, training would be needed in order to ensure the project's success due to the complex nature of the machine. Bushnell had a Yale connection, and they in secret allowed him to train his operators in classrooms there. But despite Bushnell's insistence on secrecy surrounding the work, news of the weapon quickly made its way to the enemy because of a spy working for a New York congressman. With the enemy now looking for them, the three pilots and the submersible were taken to a secret place for training and further trials. After two weeks of training, Turtle was transported by ship, secretly, to its assignment. And it and its new operator, Sergeant Azure Lee, prepared to attack the giant flagship of the enemy fleet, a ship called the Eagle. Destroying the symbol of enemy naval power by means of a submarine would be a blow to enemy morale. The plan was to have the pilot Lee surface just behind the Eagle's rudder and use a screw to attach an explosive bomb to the ship's saw. Now, once attached, Lee would make his getaway underwater and a timer on the explosive would set it off later. It was very late night as Sergeant Lee maneuvered the small craft underwater out to the ship. It took two hours to reach his destination as it was hard work manipulating the hand-operated controls and foot pedals to propel the submersible into position. Adding to his difficulties was a fairly strong current, and total darkness made visibility very difficult. Now, we Americans always like to see the enemy ship go up in a gigantic explosion, but I'm sorry to report the plan totally failed. Lee began his mission with only 20 minutes of air, not to mention the complication of operating the craft. The blackness, the speed of the currents, and the added complexes all combined to thwart his plans. Once surfaced, Lee ignited the fuse on the explosive and tried multiple times to stab the device into the underside of the ship. Unfortunately, after several attempts of not being able to pierce the Eagle's hull, he abandoned the operation as the timer on the explosive was due to go off and he feared getting spotted. It seems more likely that he was suffering from such fatigue in carbon monoxide inhalation, which made him confused and unable to properly carry out the process of drilling through the Eagle's hull. Now, Lee also reported enemy soldiers spotted the submersible and rode out to see what the hell it was. He then released a charge, expecting they would seize it and, as he says, be blown to atoms. Suspicious of the drifting charge, the soldiers quickly retreated back to land. The charge drifted into the open water where it exploded with tremendous violence, throwing large columns of water and pieces of wood that composed it high into the air, according to one observer. Now, you may be wondering why I talked about a failed American mission. Well, because this was the world's first recorded use of a submarine to actually attack a ship. It set the tone for what American submarines would be and could be in the future. It was indeed a big feat. Now, you're probably also wondering, when did this happen? You might be surprised to learn that this first attack took place in New York Harbor in 1776, 
right in the middle of the American Revolutionary War. That friend Bushnell and Doolittle asked to help was Thomas Jefferson. And that general of the armed forces that advanced some money to help the project was a guy named George Washington, who called Bushnell a man of great mechanical powers, fertile of invention, and a master of execution. But he also called the attempt an effort of genius, but a combination of too many things were requisite for such an attempt to succeed this early. Thomas Jefferson pretty much agreed with Washington, but both knew that modern submarine warfare had been born. Despite Turtle's shortcoming, Bushnell's invention marked an important milestone in submarine technology. The Americans had wasted no time showing that we were a different country and we would do things in a different way. Now, if we could just get back to being the leaders of doing things in a different way and quit squabbling among ourselves, we will be an even greater America. Well, that's our story for tonight, and we hope you'll join us next week for another The Story You Never Heard. Please consider going to a site and supporting us so we may continue this project. And have a good night. We'll see you next week. Come visit us on the web at thestoryyouneverheard.com and facebook.com slash T-S-Y-N-H. This show is executive produced by Benji Gaither and Douglas Jackson. Our technical consultant and website administrator is John Balderston, and Justin Nichols is our editor.